Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast, the motivational poster in your ear. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, VP of Strategic Initiatives at AmericanEagle.com. In this episode, we're going to be diving into mastering your sustainable e-commerce maturity. To discuss this, I am joined by e-commerce marketing problem solver, author, and host of the e-commerce master plan podcast, Chloe Thomas. Chloe, welcome to the show today. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having you on. It's, uh, it's really exciting to be here. So thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. We're very excited to have you here, both as uh, an author and international speaker and the host of uh, actually two award-winning podcasts, E-Commerce Master Plan and Keep Optimizing Podcasts. Uh, you have been in the top 30 e-commerce influencers in 2021, and your podcasts are regularly included in the lists of the top e-commerce marketing podcasts in the world. Congratulations on that. I do love listening to them and just getting the insights from them. And, and really appropriately, your, your latest post uh, podcast post was an episode surrounding sustainability with some research from Clavio uh, just earlier this week. So very uh, timely for our, our podcast recording and just really getting out there and uh, digging deeper into this topic. So if you want to give us a little bit of a, a background about just how you got started, both into podcasting and then the, the new direction that you're kind of taking the e-commerce uh, master plan podcast, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, sure. I'll try and do the short version because it's been nearly 20 years I've been in the industry now and, and no one needs the blow by blow account of all of that. But um, I started off client side working for multi-channel retailers in the UK. Uh, then I ended up founding a marketing agency to serve uh, retailers and other businesses, which I think I took through every business model under the sun over the course of 10 years, learned an awful lot including the fact I should never have been running a marketing agency. So it was a great relief when I sold that. Um, and since then, I've been able to focus purely on what I really should have been doing all along, which is helping e-commerce business owners and marketers make better decisions in their business, because that is the number one challenge. The number one question I get asked is, Chloe, is what I'm doing what I should be doing? And Chloe, what should I be doing? It's always the things we don't know about. And so how I ended up, so that started off with books and then it came into podcasting because when I kind of discovered podcasting and went, ooh, it's a rather cool medium. And also because I got to have lots of really interesting conversations with retailers that were all off the record. And I don't know, I don't know if you ever had this time when you're in this, this conversation with somebody and you're going, oh, I know exactly what would help you. You could do this and this. I can't tell you who else has done it and I can't tell you the numbers, but trust me. And it's just you end up these really stupid conversations where you can't betray confidences, but you're trying to help someone. And I thought if I could put those conversations into the public domain, everyone would be better off. So that's how the e-commerce master plan podcast started way back in 2015. And then in 2020, uh, we, we got around to launching my second podcast where we do a masterclass on a different marketing method each month because I find when I'm listening to podcasts, I get a bit overwhelmed with a different idea coming in all the time. So I thought, right, let's do a whole month on email, a whole month on Google ads, a whole month on SEO. Um, so I guess the e-commerce master plan one is for business owners and the keep optimizing one is for marketing managers. But I think they all listen to both, to be yeah. honest. Oh, absolutely. And and I love the the flip that you did with the keep optimizing because it is so true. I listened to a number of different podcasts and the amount in one episode sometimes is so overwhelming. And then the subject gets changes for the next episode. And you're like, well, wait, I wanted to go a little deeper potentially. So that is a great switch. And if you haven't checked out that Keep Optimizing podcast, we definitely recommend it. We'll link to that as well in the show notes. But one thing that you did mention, I completely 
have the same problem is when I can't say who I'm working with and the success mm-hmm. that I've had and the numbers I've had. It's like you just have to have that trust in me and, and instilling that trust is key. But so many people are driven by the numbers today. And I think that's where it's great when we do have the opportunity to have research reports or a lot of times even in this podcast, I talk about my personal experiences, which are easier to do, even though I don't mention the full brand name of the client. You know, It's where those experiences come into our lives that help guide those future decisions as well. I talked a lot last year about the whole couch purchase problem that my wife and I went through with the impact of the pandemic and the whole history of that, the customer service experience. And ultimately, we ended up canceling our order after it got delayed by, it was gonna be almost a full 12 months between date of actual click to purchase to when it would have been delivered. And we ended up, fortunately for that retailer, still buying from them, but they had a local uh, warehouse uh, outlet that we went to and we found exactly what we wanted that was almost the same, but slightly different. And we were happy enough with it because we brought it home the next day. And so that was just one of those experiences last year that I always make sure we try and talk through. And today, as we, we dig into sustainability, I think that's another key one of just what are consumers expecting and what should businesses be delivering when it comes to sustainability? So just kind of start with the format of just how Lessons for Tomorrow goes. What and when did sustainability in your mind really come into play from a marketing message, a business messaging perspective and who drove the need for more information about sustainability? Was it the consumer side or the business side? I think it's really, really hard to put a date on that because if I think back, right, I am 41 because I have to actually think about that. I'm currently 41. I was born in 1980. And I vividly remember as a child when Blue Peter, which is like this kids magazine TV show in the UK, they went on about global warming and the greenhouse effect, as we called it back then. And I remember getting totally freaked out by that as a small child. So the need for sustainability has been there for a very long time. And back then we had brands embracing it on the niche, you know, on the outskirts, I suppose, of, of general consumerism. Then I think it's something which has slowly been growing over maybe the last five years. We've seen lots more of the new D2C players having a sustainability angle, a climate angle to what they're doing. For me, I think the the consumer shift to this has accelerated massively during the pandemic as we consumed, in some ways consumed less, in some ways consumed a lot more um, as we were kind of stuck at home and going through those lockdowns. So I think it changed a lot then. And then personally from when I was a small child I've always been a little bit freaked out by it and then I decided it was time last year to kind of up my knowledge on it and start getting a bit more consciously about it which led to me you know attending a climate conference virtually and then having a little bit of a meltdown for approximately 36 hours on the oh my god side of things full-on meltdown and then went no we're going to do something about this. This was October last year. And by December, we changed the angle of what we do in the business to be as much about e-commerce success rather than necessarily growth. And also to be about we're majoring in on, on net zero, as in the you know how you make your business and your life non-carbon negative or non-carbon positive rather. Okay. So we get into that, that net zero number because I like something you can actually measure. 
And I use the term sustainability a lot because it's a good term in marketing and people know what you're talking about a bit more readily. But one of the other things I really struggle with is knowing what sustainability actually is because there is no defined value. And I think one person's view of sustainability is someone else's. And I suspect we will remain there. You know, for some, it needs to have that purpose element or a charity giving element. So for some, it's more important, the climate piece, rather it's the no plastic, rather it's going vegan. It's an incredibly complicated space to know what it should be and what it shouldn't be. So uh, which bit of your question have I failed to answer? The bit about brands who are doing it um, well, you know, we've got the Patagonias who've been doing it for a very long time. We've got brands in the UK like uh, Body Shop who've been doing the ethical, they really led the animal free testing, animal testing free makeup mm. movement back when I was a teenager. But I think we're now seeing it being far less of a USP and far more of a mainstream piece that every brand needs to be needs to be aware of. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Patagonia. That's one of my my go tos whenever I have anyone that I'm talking to about how someone has successfully built messaging around sustainability. Uh, I love that they call it our footprint, right? And they just talk about their footprint across the world and what that looks like. They kind of took a, an interesting approach in messaging. I think this goes into a little bit of where I want to you know, have our conversation drift towards is they started actually utilizing iconography and specific types of sustainable and footprint uh, callouts for on their product detail pages, which I think is huge. And especially in today's world, and you mentioned plastics, right? They, they brought that back in a lot. And water usage is another big one right now. And they call that out directly on both their product detail pages, but they have an entire section of their site dedicated to their footprint. And they talk about the farms and the mills and everywhere that they are being just transparent to their consumers and other businesses that they may do business with, which I think is just wonderful. That transparency that they've kind of been providing over the years, it's grown over the years, but it's just been so clear and, and a great message. It's one of the reasons I'm very loyal to that brand is because they have that messaging just clear and right out there for you. They also started more of the recycling program now, which I thought was an interesting shift for a manufacturer of apparel. And it was a great idea. Send it back to us and we'll repair it or we'll recycle it into another product. And that's just something where the amount of, uh, especially the fleece materials and the amount of the microfibers that were going into the oceans was a big story uh, maybe a couple years ago now. But it was eye-opening to me of just like how much actually is coming out of a washing machine into the water systems that I just never was aware of as a you know consumer and just a, a person, right? I'm just, oh, I'm washing my clothes like I'm supposed to to keep them clean, not thinking about the little fibers and how those will build up and go out into the ecosystem and the impact that they have on that much further down the road. Like you, I was born in the early 80s and the greenhouse effect and all that was definitely big in, in the U.S. school system as well. And the whole going green and recycling and all those factors like plant a tree to help with the you know atmosphere and the carbon. But overall, that messaging has now shifted in my mind where you don't really hear about going green as much. It used to be a big, I think that was the phrase that I used to hear much more. And that was more centered around certain chemicals and other aspects of things. Now, sustainability is definitely that buzzword. And I completely agree with you that it's much more marketer friendly and more understood of where people are going because there's different types of sustainability as well. And so I think that's important for everyone to understand listening is that 
sustainability doesn't mean that you have to just go and immediately change the product manufacturing. It could be other aspects of your business that also lend to sustainability. Well, that's the thing is that when you're just talking about, you know, your love of Patagonia and those different elements, there are so many facets to it. Becoming whatever sustainability means, even just trying to become carbon neutral, there are so many elements. There's what you do in your head office. There's what you do with your actual products. There's how you encourage your customers to use your products after they've left your building. There's the whole downstream bit of the suppliers in the first place, where the product comes from. And it is it's like a Pandora's box, really. Or, no, it's like a whole host of Pandora's boxes. You open one lid and then you find 20 other questions and issues, which is why I think it's none of us know how to create a sustainable, a truly nth level sustainable brand that does no harm to the human friendly planet. No one knows how to do that right now. I am very new on this journey and just trying to maybe ask the questions more than answer them a lot of the time. But I think what the key thing, and you mentioned it earlier, is transparency is what consumers are after. Because there isn't a, this is the perfect jumper to buy. Because actually the perfect jumper to buy is the one that's already in your wardrobe. Um, <laughs> but I didn't. But, but, you know, that is fundamentally it. But if you need to buy a new jumper, there is no perfect one. In some cases, cotton may be better than plastic or recycled plastic or it's mind bending. Mm -hmm. But what we can all do as business owners, as uh, e-commerce brands, as product creators is to be transparent. And it's that honesty that brings trust because consumers know we can't be perfect right now. And different consumers care more about different things based on what documentaries they've read or which celebrities they follow and what they care about or what, you know, what affects their family. So the more transparent we are, the more the consumer can make a better decision, the more we educate the consumer to help them make better decisions and the less brain fried they hopefully get in the process. There's um, a huge research company called Mintel who late last year gave their three consumer trends of um, 2022, one of which is something called the ethics check, which I think is a must do for every e-commerce business, whether you are all fully, if you believe I'm wrong when I'm saying there is no perfect way to be sustainable and you reckon you've already got that nailed, A, get in touch with me. But if you're that business, this works for you. If you're the business who have no real idea what you're doing along these lines, this works for you too. And it's a simple set of checklists on your homepage, on your About Us page that say women owned, black owned, we give 10% to charity, we are animal friendly, we are whatever it is you are, just put them there. Or we're on the journey to removing plastic from our packaging. Just those little check boxes are the, the simplest, easiest way to get started and to start being transparent. Absolutely. And and you mentioned in there too about the, the messaging, the content around sustainability. And in in your latest episode on Sunday that I mentioned earlier, uh, you were discussing the Clavio research and you talked about feeling how nice it is that sustainability helps fill the content gap on websites today. And it's definitely an area at AmericanEagle.com with a lot of our clients where we're doing so much with content lately, the addition of that, and, and I say story, but it's more than a story, it's fact, it's truth mm -hmm. about sustainability for a company. When that is being written and that messaging is there, it is an amazing content gap filler because it's letting your consumers know more about you, the transparency that we've just been talking about, but it gives you a whole new angle of what content can go into all your different channels, whether that's social or email or your website or 
even just annual reports that go out. If it's not included yet, it should be included. And I think that it's so critical for people to understand that you are growing towards that. One thing that was really interesting in, in the stats that were talked about on that episode were that 89% of people researched in, in the Clavio research study said that being sustainable is at least somewhat important to them. However, when it comes to actually choosing sustainable products, only 27% went sustainable. What in your mind is holding people back from really grabbing on? They, there's so many people saying they want it, right? Or at least they are looking to say that it's important to them, right? A large number. We're seeing a very small, less than a third, actually buy sustainable. Well, I mean, anyone who's been in marketing for any length of time or done any marketing or probably any business degree these days will know that what consumers do and what they say they'll do are often two different things. So we know a certain amount of this gap is people trying to look good in the eyes of the researcher, even if the researcher was an online form. We try and look a bit better than we really are. So some of it will be down to that, but not 50 percentage points. You know, that's maybe a 10 or a 20 percentage point gap. It's not the full 50 we're seeing in these results. And my suspicion, and this is backed up by everyone I talk to in the space at the moment and and other pieces of research that, that I'm increasingly being told about since that podcast episode went live. It's because consumers get confused because they're not sure what the right decisions are. You know, we, we mentioned Patagonia and we mentioned clothing. If you are, you know, you're, you're considering buying a, a new pair of trousers or something, you go, right, should I get the cotton ones? Well, the cotton ones, they look good because they're not made from a plastic and they're not made from an animal piece. But oh, oh, hold on a minute. But where was the cotton made? Was it made in my country or was it made in another country? Was the farm using good practices? Was this cotton? But then cotton uses a lot of water. So is this an area where they have water issues. Were the people who made it fairly treated or did that cotton go from India to Bangladesh to Japan to somewhere else before it got to me? Oh, and then you start thinking about the dyes and then you think about Oh, but hold on, what if we could use recycled fabric? So maybe we should be recycling fabric or using fabric that was left over from another production run. And then you start worrying about when you really start getting into this, the company who do it, where are they based? Do they care how much of their product ends up in landfill because they make too much of it? And then your head explodes and you go, oh, God, I want to make a good decision, but I can't anymore because my brain just explodes. Because we do, as humans, we can only cope with so many decisions a day. And trying to buy sustainability pretty much wipes out your quota by about nine o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. Then you go, I like the fit of the ones from, I know, Urban Outfitters or The Gap or those ones I always get from Macy's. So I'm just going to go and buy them. And you just go, sort it. I'll have the, the, I'm trying not to mention too many brands, but I just mentioned loads of brands. I have no idea who is good and bad on the sustainability stakes. I'll take, do the easy choice, the ones I bought again and again and again. And, you know, that's clothing. Water bottles is complicated. Hair clips is complicated. Shampoo is difficult. Food is difficult. It's so tough as a consumer to work out what's right because we're not quite sure, any of us, what the best choice is these days. So as a brand, if you can be helping the consumer along that journey by being transparent, by sharing content with them to tell about your story, about how your decision-making process, this is why we're still including plastic in our packaging, but these are the other things we've done. This is how you can recycle the clothes later. This is how we go about doing this. 
not only will you help reduce that hideous fatigue and brain explosion of trying to make a good choice, you'll also be building up a better connection with them and educating them so they can make better decisions on products completely without your category. Because I think everyone understands this is a journey and no one is yet perfect. But unless we're being transparent about what we have and haven't done, then we're not going to get anywhere. And like you said, Tim, the, the key, the hugely important thing here is to be transparent and to tell that story and to use it to create content because we're also in a space right now where consumers want more connection with the brands they buy from. So they want to know more about you to do that. You're entering a space where competition levels are up and where consumer spending power is going down and your prices are going up. It's like a perfect storm of hideousness right now if you're trying to grow a brand and grow your sales. So you want to build a better connection with your customers and we're in a space where the cookies died last year, which means the algorithm is no longer as much your friend on platforms like Facebook and the competition levels have gone up, which means your creative has to be super powerful, which means there needs to be story. There needs to be reason. There needs to be mission. There needs to be value. You need to be helpful. So it's kind of a perfect storm of bad things, which can be. But there's a very clear way to do it better. And that fundamentally is going to come down to the quality of your content and the quality of your messaging. Sorry. No, that was awesome. And and Chloe, I just I want to take an unpack and I'm going to use that as a pun here (laughs) because uh, one of the ways that sustainability also comes through and you mentioned it was just like packaging, right? Might not be that it's everywhere through every aspect of the journey of a product and, and the consumer experience and the business experience. But as you start to work through that journey of the areas that you can introduce more sustainability, I recall, it was a number of years ago, but I have four boys. I've talked about them on the episode before, two to 10. So it's a very busy household. And of course, you know, the Amazon boxes arrive almost daily probably, but then they started doing the Amazon shipping day, right? To reduce the amount of boxing that you can do. And I was still getting it fairly fast turnaround, which was nice, but then it was also just less boxes for us from a recycling perspective. I don't recall if it was Amazon or if it was someone else that we ordered from, but someone had this incredible packaging that actually introduced it for kids to say, hey, don't just throw this box in the recycle right away, but make it into a spaceship, make it into this, make it into something. And my kids have done so much with activities from the boxes, sans the stuff that came in the box, right? Mm -hmm. Just playing in the box and making boats or airplanes or whatever they do. They color them. They have so much fun. And that's just a fun way to do that. And this one actually had like dotted lines on it that you could cut it out to shape it into some of these different figures for kids to play with. And I was just, that was such an incredible way of not again, a hundred percent full sustainability, but a direction of, Hey, don't just throw it out, use it for something. And with that, I think that's just where as a business, you need to look at the opportunities, as you said, what is the messaging? What are the areas that you can start to introduce it to? Because no one has it a hundred percent. There are going to be challenges for costs for manufacturing, for costs to the business, especially right now, as, as you mentioned, right? Prices are increasing. Consumer spending is starting to decrease again with everything that's happening from an inflation perspective right now. Also, what we found heavily, especially here uh, at AmericanEagle.com with a lot of our clients was brand loyalty really took a hit during the pandemic because of the logistical supply issues and the availability of products. I've always talked to our customers about the opportunity for when you are trying to increase your bottom line, your best target persona is an existing customer because you've already had a relationship with them in the past. And you mentioned the cookies and the tracking and all of that lends into the whole aspect of 
the easiest and most cost-effective way to market first as a business is to those who've already bought from you and experienced your business. Then you can work on net new customers because they're harder to acquire. And especially now you're competing even harder. So compete first with maintaining your current customer base, expanding what are their desires, because guess what? They're going to be the ones who, just like myself and all my friends and my wife and her friends, will talk about the experiences that they have and send that message out word of mouth marketing, which is the best type of marketing ever, because you're getting that peer-to-peer review versus an online review. But those are all critical things to keep in mind. And I think one of the other big areas is to look at your reviews centered around any practices to sustainability. As you have that content, as you add that in, ask your customers for their feedback. Are we, you know, is there an area we're not addressing? And get some of that feedback. And to your point, right, you're not going to get 100% accurate data from surveys, but you'll start to hear what's starting to be important to them. When you do that, I think that's where they see that you as a business is listening. And especially, I've done a lot with generational research lately, which is just incredible. But the younger generations, the younger end of the millennial generation into the Gen Zers, right, are really focused on what is the brand doing for sustainability or shop locally, you know, Mm -hmm. sourcing products, you know, where are you sourcing things from? Do I trust that you're doing the right things for both the environment and me as a consumer? And and they're, they're so much more focused on that than the other generations have been. And I think that's a big shift in why we're seeing this start to take off more because that generation is really the current buying and even the future buying generation. And that's all that they've known. So it's that, again, listening to them, what's important, and addressing them at that point. So I had my rant there. Yeah, no, I I think you're completely right. And it's great that that's being driven through. And I think we're starting to see it go up through the generations as well, because, you know, because let's face it, the youth make an awful lot of noise and they help the rest of us reevaluate what we're doing. I think one of the interesting things which came out of the the same um, Clavio data we were talking about earlier is they also asked, what um, impacts your buying decision and sustainability was about number seven on the list and the core things were at the top value for money great quality product delivery speeds and pricing Mm -hmm. so i think that to me i don't see that as disheartening i see that as a reminder that as we go into this what's probably going to be quite a difficult q3 q4 ahead with all those challenges we've already mentioned it is time to make sure we've got the basics right. Like you were talking about earlier, Tim, to make sure we've got that marketing to our retained customers, our first time, our second time buyers, absolutely spot on. And they are the ones where, you know, they've seen your ethics check, those key logos on your product pages, your homepage. They love the product. Let's now educate them about how great what we're doing is to give them things to talk about to their friends. You know, oh gosh, I'd never you know, they've even changed their banking now to be more sustainable. How cool is that? You know, it gives them reasons to talk about you and it gives you things to talk to them about that aren't just discount deal, buy, buy, buy at a time when they're probably going to be buying that little bit less frequently. But it keeps you front of mind. It gives them reasons to feel a connection to you. So I think it's, you know, we've got to get those basics right. We've got to get our sequences in place, our remarketing emails in place. We need to make sure our websites are, have got all the right messaging in all the right places and that our products remain great. Yes, that's a massive list, but it's critical as we go forward that we, 
I guess what I'm trying to say is you cannot think of sustainability or the path to net zero as being a USP. It is very fast shifting into a hygiene factor. It's one of those things they're checking as they go through, but it also creates some great content and some great stories that you can talk to people about. Absolutely. So, Chloe, where is this not make sense for certain businesses as far as a huge content push? Not that sustainability doesn't make sense, but the content push and how much you are messaging externally about it versus having a little bit of messaging and letting people maybe ask for more detail in certain different types of businesses. Where do you see it where definitely, I think, very consumer facing brands have really started to go down this path? But more in the, the B2B world, is, is this an area that you see certain industries or business types not needing to be as focused as a B2C brand or a D2C brand right now? I think every business markets to consumers, even if they've got their business hat on at the time. So I don't think anyone can ignore this. And I think if you're a brand that goes, oh, crikey, with what we're selling, I don't think we can ever talk about that, then you'll probably need to go into a cash cow strategy because your business is probably on the way out because fundamentally we've all got to pay attention to this or we're going to be um, 100 year out future is looking really, really bleak. So I don't think anyone can ignore it. I think how much you talk about it, where you talk about it, which messages you put to the forefront is going to vary depending on your business sector and how important it is as part of your value and your mission, which may be the different elements of sustainability, you know, charity, people, land, etc., rise and fall. I think the the other thing to say on the business to business side of it is that if we go back to why businesses should care about this, you know, the cold hard numbers side of it, it's because you're going to be getting pressure from your customers to make these changes, whether your customers are businesses or whether your customers are consumers. You're also going to be getting pressure from your staff. Um, I predict in the next maybe 12, 12, 18 months, we're going to see issues with people not wanting to work in certain businesses and certain travel companies may start hitting the news and have you know recruitment issues. I wouldn't want to work for an airline anymore. Um, then we have the pressure which we're getting from government, which certainly here in the UK, the government is putting pressure on the biggest companies first. But of course, the biggest companies are supplied by all the smaller companies. Mm -hmm. So there is this trickle down effect from government saying you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do the other, which is causing everyone to look to their suppliers and go, we need you to do better. We need you to do better because we need to do better. We can't just keep offsetting what you're doing. We need it to be better, whether it's your banks, whether it's your email service provider, whether it's, you know, Google ads, whatever it may be. We're all going to be getting pressure from all angles to make ourselves more sustainable. So we're going to end up having to talk about it sooner or later. But yeah, how, whether it's on your homepage or whether it's on your about us page, whether it's the first email in your welcome sequence or the fifth email in your welcome sequence is going to be a brand by brand decision. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. And, and completely agree with it as well. I think that as we kind of come to the tail end of our show today, Two more areas I wanted to talk about. One's going to be a fun, you know, future-looking question for you. But first is just, you know, as we talk about these different brands, I, I look back, right? We talked about Patagonia. They've added a big recycle program. Um, I'm an Apple fanboy, as everyone on the show knows. And so Apple, I feel, has done a great job messaging about what they do with their, their recycling programs. And I think about sustainability, and a lot of times it is very focused, I feel, on 
the original sourcing, where you're getting, you know, the water consumption, all of those aspects of different things, the cotton, uh, fair trade, all of that aspect. The one thing that I thought that was really done well is in these recycle programs, which I feel don't get a lot of the attention anymore, is that they're actually helping reduce the amount of waste that's just in the landfills and everything. And they're taking those parts and they're smoldering, melting them back down to be reused as they rebuild. So those are areas, too, that as businesses look at where they can add uh, sustainable efforts is, is there a way that you can add in a recycling program and it actually benefits the users? In electronics, it's, the, it's there because those are some of the biggest landfill fillers, right, where there's so much here in the U.S. especially. We have the uh, unlimited trash day coming up next week in, in my town where one day a year you can put everything out except for these things, and they list off wow. like electronics and all this stuff. And it's great because, you know, one's man's trash is another man's treasure, right? That phrase. And so many people go around and they find, I've found like entire dining room table sets before. It's been incredible in the past. I will admit that was more when I was in college and wanting to furnish, you know, our <laughs> house. But uh, either way, it's incredible what some people are just willing to get rid of. And there's so many ways that we can recycle what we have. And these businesses that help provide that opportunity for it and then repurpose it back into their product. I think that's another big area of sustainability that sometimes gets, you know, a little bit less of the attention. But when you actually go through the process of it, it's incredible how much can be saved because of it. Yeah, I think it at the macro level, what's going to be happening with consumer spending and in the e-commerce industry, I think a couple of the really interesting angles on on all of this are the the um, the recycling element that you've just mentioned, uh, encouraging customers to sell products to other customers. So the second hand market, there's some amazing apps being built at the moment and communities being built for swapping clothes to extend the life, life cycle, which is fascinating to me. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see where that goes to. We've also got um, the rentals market. So a lot of um, Gen Z and the, the millennials are now renting certain types of clothes. So maybe they rent their work wardrobe and they buy their gym clothes. But there's a rental element coming into this, which obviously, you know, if you want to if you want to max out the usage of a, of a dress, that is the way to go about doing it. And then also the repair industry, which seems to be taking off the most in, yes, in electronics, but also in footwear. There's barely a footwear brand who claims some sustainability out there right now who don't have a send it back and get it repaired. Uh, you know, I sent my, my lovely leather wellies off to have them resold the other day. Already had them for 10 years, just extended their lifetime by hopefully another 10 years. Yes, I paid for that service, but I'm more than happy to do it because it's going to extend the life of those products. So I think these are really, really interesting business model shifts that we're starting starting to see in, see in the space that will extend the lifetime of that product. Because if someone wears a top once and puts it in landfill, is that your fault? Is it the customer's fault? We all pay the price at the end of the day. So how can we how can we extend that? It's it's a fascinating time to be in the e-commerce space. Absolutely, absolutely, and and just too funny. Coincidentally, I just sent my Allen Edmonds shoes back in to be resold. I've been wearing those <laughs> for a number of years, and they're a, a local shoe company just uh, north of us in uh, Wisconsin. We're in Chicago, and it's great because I've been doing this for a number of years. Before, I wear through my shoes heavily, and so I'd be getting a new pair of shoes yearly, and I didn't learn about resoling until you know my mid twenties. And once I was in my mid twenties, I found out about them like. Well, actually, 
I'm keeping the same broken in leather shoes, but the resole and I'm re- it, it was just the perfect aspect of it. But it's great because they actually educate you about it. They have videos about the recrafting experience and the benefits of it. And that's where, as you look at it, they've been doing that almost their whole life. Cobblers have been around resoling shoes, but it's just not a forethought of some of the shoes today. And I think the rentals and everything you just mentioned about the the swap and the apps that are coming out completely agree with that. My my four boys, we have my wife's brother lives a house away from us. He's got two boys and a third on the way. And so we are just completely swapping clothes and they have them all organized, my wife and her sister-in-law, for all the different ages of the kids. And then they just swap a, a Rubbermaid container and say, oh, well, all right, well, Bennett, my two-year-old is done with this. You have another one coming. Here's your zero to 18-month clothes bucket. And they've got a whole set of clothes instead of going and buying everything new. And it's incredible because, again, with especially kids, they can grow so fast that they may have worn something a few times and it's still perfectly great in terms of quality of the shirt or pants or whatever it may be. And a lot of people just go and they'll throw them out. Or maybe they take it to a secondhand store. Those are the things that I do agree. And we've seen a few apps coming through from some ideas on our side too, more in that rental and uh, shareable market aspect of everything. So it's a very exciting time in e-commerce. My last question for you on the show today, and I've been thrilled just this conversation going deeper into sustainability, but I always like to ask the future question. So get out your glass ball and let me know in three to five years, especially centered around sustainability, what do you think is going to be the biggest change to e-commerce because of the sustainability direction that we're already seeing it go? Oh, there's a big old question. Um, I guess this is possibly more of a hope than a prediction in that time frame. Hopes are allowed. I hope. I hope that in three to five years, we've got through the initial stages of this shift towards sustainability. And we know we've given consumers a clear guideline as to what sustainability is and how to evaluate their difference between different things. I hope some of the businesses that are around today no longer exist because there's no longer the need for them, because there are many out there that I fail to see how they can ever become sustainable. But we're not at that point yet. And I hope that I hope that as consumers, we are actively making those cleverer buying decisions. And we've seen rentals and repairs go up and those kind kind of elements. I don't know how we get this industry successfully to the point where we're getting consumers to buy less and it's still successful. That's I think that's a difficult mindset shift for all of us. But that is where I hope we are in the next three to five years. Wonderful. I love the hope there. And I completely agree. Chloe, thank you so much for your time today, uh, just for your your direction and support of the e-commerce community towards the sustainable and net zero uh, direction. Again, for those listening, feel free to check out Chloe's podcast. There's two of them that we mentioned. We'll include the links to them in our show notes for you to also experience them. And definitely, please, we highly encourage you to just look into sustainability. What is your company doing? What are some ideas you might have that you want to share that if your company is not taking certain action? And again, if you have any questions about it, definitely there are ways to reach out both to Chloe and myself just to just get ideas of what we have. But for today, that's all that we have time for. So thank you for tuning into the future by listening to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast. For more information about the topics discussed, as I've mentioned multiple times, check out the description of this episode. 
If you want us to cover a specific topic or submit feedback, we welcome it. Email us at lessonsfortomorrow at americaneagle.com and let us know. As always, as I am rarely on social media because I enjoy it and I distaste it, be sure to follow this podcast wherever you listen to them and stay up to date with us and follow us on social and give us a rating, please. Share this podcast with others to prepare them for the future. And don't forget, as I've mentioned multiple times, to follow us on social media. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I am your host, Tim Alanius, and we will catch you in the next lesson.